you know where I realized that I think EverQuest was really a successful, was more successful, I think, than a game. It, it was more successful in the community than the game, which sounds kind of weird. It's a, it is a successful game. I shouldn't say it that way, but, but when I realized it was larger than itself is Verant Interactive, which because the game's been around so long, the, it's gone through several different owners, right? It used to be Verant and then there were Sony and then uh, Daybreak and now it's under Darkpaw, under Daybreak. I don't, I don't know. I can't keep track of it all. But anyway, at one point they started running fan meetings and they had an EverQuest fanfare, which was put on by the publisher. This wasn't like a fan meeting. It was something that they put on. And people were flying all over the country to come to Las Vegas, where I live, This because it happened to be here. So I was like, I am definitely going because I live here. <laughs> and people were like dressing up in the costumes as their characters. And it wasn't a tournament. It was not to go play the game. It was just to get together and to hear from the developers and to meet each other. And like guilds were having meetups and there was no game playing. You know, I mean, they did have like a, a new they had like a thing where you could uh, be the first to play the new expansion, which again, it's a game where if you don't have four hours, it's not worth it. So like you'd log in as own, like, Oh, I'm in the, I'm in a snowy field. Let me run around. Oh, I'm in a snowy field. Oh, there's some trees. Here's a panther. Wow. How exciting. I mean, it was, it was stupid, <laughs> right? You, you didn't get to experience anything, but, but yeah, I was one of the first people to play the Velius expansion when it first came out. Cause they had it at that, at the fanfare, but it, what it was didn't matter because you don't know where you're going. You don't know what's happening. So, it, <laughs> I mean, it was a non-experience. That was not what it was about. It was about going and being with all these other people. And it just really amazed me the level the level of community and people flying across the country to go to this thing. Uh, and there was a whole series of those. It, it mm. really was mind-boggling. And and the, 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 the reason I keep saying is that it wasn't about playing the game is because people think about these esports tournaments today. Those were about playing the game. <laughs> This was not that. This was just about hanging out, and that was what was remarkable. Yeah, for for me personally, um, especially the past couple of weeks, I a good friend of mine. He's been on the show. He's uh, on the floor. On the he's he's called G, right? But on the show because of this guy, he jumped on a bandwagon, and and now he's known as G hashtag don't call me Audrey. Um, <laughs> he put me onto his Discord server with a few of other people that he knows. I don't know how to use Discord. I still don't know how to use Discord now. I know how to jump in and chat. That's about it. But within the past couple of weeks, I have gotten to know people just by being myself. You know? And um, without me knowing it, the people that I've got to know live 10 minutes away. And I've I've bumped into them while, while nipping to the shops. You know, that kind of thing. And it's been really insane to actually see them in person but then have known i've talked to them till the early hours of the morning right yeah. it's been it's been really nuts and that's what that that's sort of like the community and i could be on there i could be like for example a couple of nights ago i was playing fallout 4 three of the guys were playing destiny 2 one person was drawing on a graphics tablet that i gave them because i had a spare one that i don't use and there's a broke you know so yeah them basically getting real excited about this graphics tablet that just got going. Two people are directing a battle on Destiny 2 <laughs> while I'm shooting stuff on Fallout 4. Then someone else jumped in. They were playing Sonic on the Genesis. One person was playing Solitaire. Another person was watching an episode of... What was it? They're watching an episode of Summit and just reacting to it because it's the first time they'd seen it. All these different things all in one go. It was really weird to process. <laughs> you know, all these things going on. You know, you're, 
someone saying, back me up, another person going, oh, I can draw this, and then another person <laughs> reacting to something. And then there's me, just out of nowhere, I'm going, no, 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 you didn't see me, you didn't see me. It's really odd. <laughs> I think I think that's one of the great things about, um, about the communities that spring up around. I think maybe specifically gaming and uh, books as well, I've seen it, like long-form novels and stuff, um, is that in real life, sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, people walk around with masks. And I don't mean that they're unfortunate masks. I mean, just like, I am, you know, professional Jay. I am programmer Jay. I am Jay talking on Waffle and Taylors. I'm Jay dealing with the kids. You know, I'm Jay talking to my parents. And we all have these different masks and different personalities that we have. But I think that, especially with MMOs, we're able to discard all of that or indeed with Discord groups and IRCs and all that kind of stuff. You can just put all of that to one side and say, I'm having fun playing this game and I'm allowing myself to be who I am. Mm. And people will gravitate towards you because you're being your authentic self. I said earlier on, if you ain't where you're at, you're no place. If you're not being true to who you are, then who are you being? And you can, the, the MMOs and discord and these uh, sort of little gaming get togethers uh, the little ones not the ones like you were saying but then those ones as well the big ones for that are set up for everquest and and uh, the conventions and things allow people to just sort of walk around excuse me walk around and say this is who i am look at who i am without having to worry about any kind of um I want to say societal norms, but I don't think that's the right phrase to use. You don't have to worry no, about it. I understand. Yeah, I get you. And, you know, it's one of the strange things about, about the EQ game is that it, it also has a very full-featured chat service in the game. And for any server that you log into, because the game has, I don't know, 20-something servers. I'm just guessing. I never bothered to count them, but it's something like that. And uh, you can join a general server-wide chat if you have a paid account. So if you're a free account, you can't get in the general chat. Uh, but if you're a paid account, you have access to that. And there are people, characters in the game that I know just from general chat. I have never even seen their character. I don't even know if I've been in the same zone as them, <laughs> but I know them from chat. And I, cause I, not that I'm a big participant, but I, I see them and I know what they're about because they're always in there talking about some incredibly non out of character thing. Uh, cause it's not like an RP channel, you know, not that there's a lot of RP in EverQuest. There is some, but not a lot. Um, you don't see that in the in the general chat. The general chat is just that anything goes really, and as as long as you're not you know being horrific, they, pretty much anything goes. Uh, or you know guild chat will be the same thing depending on what kind of guild you're in and who's in it with you. You know people just talk about whatever they want. You know and you you could never group or raid with your guild and and have an interesting chat and be involved with 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 that. And that's what I see in the guild I'm in. People are like oh I'm going cross country to you know, pick up a dog from the breeder. And so I won't be on for two weeks and I'm getting a, you know, a, a, a Rottweiler or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's great, you know, and people talk about their lives in weird ways with these total strangers on the internet. And it's just, it's, there's, there's just something about these environments, you know, that when a game creates that it's, it's a, it's about more than the game. Uh, whereas when I was in Eve, uh, I didn't see as much of that. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I could be wrong. I admit that. But I'll just say I didn't see it or get involved in any of that. Um, and so Eve felt much more like a single-player game taking place in a multiplayer universe to me. Mm. Um, and Star Trek did too. But but EverQuest, no way. It, it was not that right from the beginning. Even with a low-level character, it didn't feel that way. Yeah, I tended to, um, when I first like got in their connection, 
I I did bits and bobs with games, you know, playing single player games that had a multiplayer aspect to it, and then there was the the online one that it could have a month free, and I thought my PC, I think I can run it, I'll give it a go, and what have you. EverQuest was one that I missed because I just didn't see it anywhere um, in the UK, but a couple of ones that I did try where there were like MMOs, I was completely put off them. I don't know if it was the server I was in or where I was, but I mean, I'll I'll drop one name in particular, World of Warcraft. Right before you had all the hundreds of thousands of expansions and what have you, you had a month free, and I got about ten days in. I figured if I'm a dwarf with a battle axe, you know, anyone I'm going to chop them off at the knees. That was my thing. you I'm give me them knees. I'm going for it. Right, that was my idea of it. And I was running through, and I was playing by myself, you know, and I didn't know anyone. In the towns, just trying to pick at people. Could you tell me where this is? You know, like like being a tourist, right? Just trying it out. And I honestly, the amount of hatred I got just for being a new player, a low-level new player, the amount of not just chat, I had people with microphones hailing abuse at me because I was new to the game. And I don't know if it was the particular server I was on or because I was Jeez. a dwarf or... It's just... And that... It was just one interaction and it lasted less than five minutes. That completely put me off going on yeah. games where if I'm not in a group with my friends, if I'm going by myself, going in, you know, completely fresh, I'm not gonna do it. Because I'm I'm not prepared to go into somewhere where I'm jumping into the world, I'm gonna role play, you know, it's it's gonna be there's a story or you could just go off and explore, you know, you you learn as you go along. I'm not gonna do that if someone who's like a level seventy, eighty character He's going to stand directly in front of me. And remember, I was a dwarf, so I was visibly shorter. And just hail abuse at me. That's and terrible. It was it was more widespread than you think. And that was... When was that? That was 2000 and... So World of Warcraft was like 2003, 2004 that started. That was like two years into it. It was like 2005, 2006. And I I thought maybe it's just this this particular area, this village. So I'll go to another one. So I did the big trek, went to another one. Big to the big big hubs and what have you. And wherever I went, I even started a second character as like an, a norm, like a more average sized human <laughs> with a big sword on his back. I still got abuse held at me, and that was with a different character name as well. And I have no idea why. And all I can put it down to was I would th- there wasn't even any distinction between like a promo account, you know, like a, a starting account, and then if you got a subscription, there's no there's no distinction between it it was just i got held abuse at because of my character level and i to, to this day i still don't understand why that's that's very strange and i i can't say that i i because it's very hard for me to talk about you know the the world of everquest generally speaking because it's you know 15 20 servers and you know thousands and thousands of players but hmm. i can tell you that i don't see that very much uh in fact i see the opposite um it's a sign of a good if, community then yeah, well, yeah. because first of all, the game doesn't, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with World of Warcraft because I never played it, but, um, there's no PvP in EverQuest except consensually. Mm-hmm. So that calms things down a little bit. And also it's cooperative because at some point you're going to need the help of other players. And so it sort of forces you to make nice. That's not to say that there aren't jerks. There's always jerks. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just to give you an example, there's a place in EverQuest uh, called the uh, Guild Lobby. And basically think of it as like a waiting room. Uh, it's a place where you can, where nothing bad can happen. You, yeah. you, you, there's no monsters in there that'll kill you. There, the players cannot attack you. You, you, you literally cannot be harmed in there. And, uh, your, any timers 
that are advantageous on your character don't run out. So if someone casts a beneficial spell on you, uh, it, it usually has a time limit. The timer doesn't run. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're just looking for a place to park your character safely while you go have lunch, that's the place. Mm-hmm. And some people, I guess, who literally have computers dedicated to EverQuest, that's where they will just park their character like overnight, you know? And people go in there and cast beneficial mass spells, you know, and just like random strangers buffing each other up. Uh, and casting beneficial spells on each other so that when they come back to the game, their character is like, you know, 128% of normal because they've got all these beneficial spells. And people go in and say, hey, I, you know, can I get a free res, you know, so I don't have to spend a re- people go in and resurrect them, you know, or people will, you know, say, oh, my character's only level 60, you know, and they can't like the big mass group buffs are too powerful for these lower level characters because the cap in the game is 115. So if my 115 level character tries to cast a beneficial spell on a level 60, it'll say it's too powerful. You can't. So I have to go into my spell book and find like a lower level spell to cast. Like people will do that Hmm. (laughs) voluntarily without even getting anything for it, you know. So that's more of the game that I see. Uh, That's not to say that there aren't jerks, but, you know, there there, there are. Um, But I, I have not seen that. I have not mm-hmm. seen that. I've seen people try to be very helpful. And in fact, when I came back to the game, I would tell people like, oh, I haven't played since 2003, you know, and, and people like, oh, I got a spare piece of gear here that you could probably use, have it. And like people gave me stuff, you know, and that's a true thing. Like people literally gave me stuff, you know, <laughs> and, and I, which was amazing because I remember back in the day, uh, and I'm talking early, like this is again, 1999, 2000 version of the game. There were these two really elite, scary, scary zones uh, called the Plane of Fear and the Plane of Hate. Mm. And in the Plane of Fear, it's where one of the deities of the game lived. And in the Plane of Hate, it was another deity. And they were bad characters, right? And these were dangerous, dangerous zones. And you had to have a raid leader who knew what the hell they were doing. You had to have capable players to go in there. You had to really know your stuff. And the way they designed the game was that you wanted to get a complete set of this armor for your character. Mm. And in Plane of Fear, only certain character class armor dropped. And in Plane of Hate, only certain character class armor dropped. And so I, as a healer, as a, as a healer class, I would go into Plane of Fear and would get nothing for it. Like there would be, there is zero usable gear that I could get from that location. But I had to put in months of effort helping other classes get their stuff. So that when we would do a plane of hate raid where my stuff dropped, I could be like, hey, I need that bracer. And people would be like, yeah, get, give him that bracer, you know, or give him that breastplate or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Because I had put in the time yeah, and and had many deaths and, you know, much punishment from the monsters and, you know, uh, to get that. But now it's like people were like giving me high-end stuff because, you know, the high-end market in the game is sort of flooded. And so yeah. people are very generous with things, you know, and uh, it, it's – it was very helpful, you know, and it made me feel good about getting back into the game. And it really helped me out because the, the gear, the, the way that EverQuest works is like level is all, you know. Uh, I mean, if your character is 115 with level with no gear on and you're 100 level 115, a level 109 character will stand no chance against you, you know, really. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but only a little bit. Mm. Uh, but but against the monsters, you know, it's a min-max thing, right? People are like, ooh, this piece of equipment gives me a 3% better chance, so I better put it on. Because because in the in the law of large numbers, you know, like that Avatar of War raid, it, it, it goes for 20, 25, 30 minutes. And there's like 10 million attack rounds that happen in that. So like 
a 1% chance over that period yeah. of time counts for a lot. Yeah. So you're going to go for the min-max when it comes to your gear. So even if you get something that's a marginal improvement, well, now you've got that marginal improvement. What are you going to do with the thing that was good five minutes ago? If it's something you can give away, you can give it away. You know, there's other things you can do in the game. Like they have this tribute system where there's an NPC you can turn in your stuff that's not so great to or stuff you want to get rid of. And, and it'll uh, it'll put points in a bucket, your tribute system. And then you can get like you can turn on tribute, which will give you a temporary enhancement. Yeah. So but it's based on how many points of stuff you've turned in. There's also a full on bizarre system in the game. So like as we're recording this. I have a second character in the game, which I don't play actively, which is my bizarre character, where my main character transfers all my stuff I don't want to that bizarre character, and it's for sale. So if you're in the game, you could log in, find my character standing in a special bizarre zone where nothing bad can happen, mm-hmm. and you could see all the stuff I have for sale and, you know, buy my buy my trinkets, you know? So if you've got a lower-level character and you got plot to spend, you can, you can buy a, a reasonably good loadout. And if you do the the heroic character, you know, you'll get a level 85 with really good stuff, you know, just for that heroic character. I mean, so there's lots of ways to to help. But what I found is it's it's a much more positive game, uh, I think, than even it used to be, even even in my first time around. Because, you know, like even the elite guilds, man, they were very hardcore back in the day. And now because of instancing, there's less contest to get to locations. So, yeah, yeah it, it makes things a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more smooth because there's less you're less in competition with other players than you are with the environment that was a long answer to a short story man i'm sorry <laughs> no it's, I, uh, I can understand okay. but it's it's when i first as i say when i first got the the internet i was always i was just trying new things new online gaming see what that's about i've read so much about it it sounds really good and what i found is that if i have someone else to play with that i know I'm more likely to stick a game if there is like toxic instances or if certain groups are doing stuff and what have you, you know, that kind of thing. Um, more than likely what happens is a friend of mine goes, you should play this game, jump on. It's not exactly multiplayer online, but it's, it's a multiplayer game. So a prime example was um, me and G, we were playing Payday 2 and it's it's just a novel idea of your, your group of four people who go in and do a job. So you might rob a bank or you might do this or you might do that. And he, he just said, um, right, I'm going to ju- chuck you into the deep end. I went, right. I'm a level one character. You realize that. I don't know anything about the game. Yeah, it'd be fine. We're going to go on the hardest level of the game. At max level. You've got the crappiest loadout. Stick with me. You'll be fine. And he was off. What am I doing? And I'm down instantly. What what, what am I doing? Don't worry, I've got you. And he was dragging me along, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So I was ah. like, I love this level one guy with basic equipment running with bullets flying everywhere, trying to get people up off the ground that have been knocked down. Get up, and I'm, and that's eventually what I turned into. I didn't shoot anything. I would run right trying to get people up after they've been downed by these elite police forces trying to stop us robbing this bank. And I would run in between bullets and bombs trying to get people up. And you just see this guy in a white suit with his specific mask on, and I'd be the one risking everything, knowing that if I'm down, I couldn't get back up. Just, I'm coming! Ah! <laughs> get him up and then run back. <laughs> so one of the major uh, improvements they made in EverQuest, which I did not experience firsthand, uh, when I first got the game... It had a tutorial, like a lot of games do, but the tutorial was basic, right? Here's how to move your character. 
Okay, now I'm going to teach you how to fight. There's a skeleton. Walk up to it, press auto attack, you know, and very good, you know, and like it was all scripted. You were in no danger, you know, the, there was no random rolling of things. It was all scripted out, but it was rudimentary. They totally revamped it with this thing, uh, with basically a, 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 a little mini quest that'll take you through your first 10 levels in a, in a real part of the game. So you're really in the game, but it's a, it's a real zone and you're doing real stuff. And you, and it's really good. So even if someone who's listening to this, if you say, Hey, this sounds good. I want to check it out. My advice to you is, you know, if you want to go ahead and buy the game, buy the game, do not jump into the heroic character, which you might get depending on what package you buy. Do not do that because if you buy the heroic character, it's going to immediately launch you into level 85 content. Do not do it. Go start your character. Play the play the tutorial through the first like eight or ten levels. Minds of Glooming Deep, it's called. It's it's good. It teaches you the game. It teaches you how to use your mercenary. You get a nice little haste item out of it. You get some good gear. Play that, and then if you if you like to if you think this game is for me, then take the heroic character and then and go from there. Or or play through because there's actually a whole quest called the Hero's Journey, which is to get you through all the levels. Uh, so, you know, you can decide to continue or just take the heroic upgrade or start a new character at heroic, but definitely play the, the tutorial because it is worth it mm. and it, it gets you into the game in a, in a good way. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, or if you guys, if you want to play, go try it out, man, go, go jump on test. I mean, I have loads of free time around about now, so maybe I should spin up a, a character on the free test over and see what I can do. <laughs> yeah. Or play for free in the, in the live game if you want, mm. you know, or try, you know, if you want to, if you want to really get the experience of what I've been talking about, you can try those project 99 servers, which again, that's not officially sanctioned. It's, it's tacitly allowed by the producer, by the game publisher, but it's not officially sanctioned, but that is like the 99 experience. And some mm. of them are limited. Like they'll never go beyond a certain point because they felt like it changed the game too much. So yeah. it's it's really that old, literally old school EQ experience. Ah, cool. Talking a little bit about EverQuest, then, and we'll come on to uh, talking a little bit more about John in a moment. What what's if I want to go learn about EverQuest and I want to sort of deep dive into it before I start playing, maybe I'm the type of person who wants to learn a lot about something before I jump in. Um, and is, is it just a case of just go to Google or Bing or whatever and just type in EverQuest and just follow a bunch of links? Or is there any, are there any resources you, you would sort of point out and, and send people towards to learn a little bit first? Yeah, well, I really do think the best way is really just Download the game and, and, and go ahead and launch into it because you're not going to do anything that's going to cause a problem in playing the free to play version of the game and creating a character, right? And going through the tutorial. Like nothing bad's going to happen. And if anything bad does happen, just delete the character and start a new one, right? Cause you're not invested. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Um, I really do think that's the best way. Uh, but if you want to learn about all the, the background of the game and, you know, a lot of that stuff, there's some great Wikipedia articles. Uh, there's, there's actually several Wikipedia articles, especially about the lore of the game. They've done a really good job of putting together a lot of the, the lore of, you know, who was, how did the world of Norath, which is the name of the world in the game, you know, get to be and, and the, the there's a whole bunch of dragon stuff in the game. They're a big part of it. And there was sort of this, 
primordial Ur-Dragon that started everything. And if you're really into the lore and the story of Vishan, you can read all about that um, uh, on, on there as well. And there's even a story tab in the game that talks about a lot of this. But uh, one of the more popular, the most popular EverQuest sites are actually sites that talk about the gear. So, yeah, if, if you put EverQuest into Google, I would, I haven't done this. I probably should as a test right now, but I'm not going to. Uh, a, a lot of the sites that you'll come up with are like Alakazam or Raid Loot, uh, which are really about, oh, I have, you know, the cold shouldered pauldrons. What would be a good upgrade for me? You know, so there are sites. So those are not going to help you if you're just trying to figure out the game. Mm. Uh, you really want to look at some of the more popular forums. So you might just want to check out the official uh, EverQuest forums. They have a, a newbie zone on there, which is very helpful. So if you have questions to go in there, those are heavily moderated so, by Daybreak. So they'll be able to steer you in the right direction. So you're like, oh, what what character should I use? Or here's how I think I might want to play. What character class should I do? Uh, that's, that's not bad. Uh, the EverQuest subreddit is also not bad on Reddit. Uh, they're usually pretty nice to, to new players. So if you go in there and say, hey, you know, here's, you know, here's games I've liked and I'm thinking about giving an EverQuest, you know, what kind of character and what kind of server should I play on? Mm. You know, which is another question too, because again, they have a lot of those special rule set servers. Uh, so you might want to think about that as well. Um, so that might be a good place to go. Uh, but just to get basic questions answered, I think that newbie zone from the official Daybreak forums is, is pretty good. Okay, I've got a question because I've talked to a lot of, a lot of my friends and a lot of them play like, MMOs and they play different ones at different times, speak to different people and what have you. And one thing I've noticed is that anyone that's played, plays MMOs now or has played them in the past has got that one story they always tell. The, the insane story, something happened. I'm just wondering, do you have one of those? Do I have one of those? Oh, yep. goodness gracious. Because um, yes. I've, I've got one, but it's, it's, it's to do with uh, Guild Wars. Uh, a little thing that I incited, I'll say. I'll, I'll go into that after <sighs> if you've got a story. Uh. Well, let me just... You know what? I, I, I do, but some of them are so involved in the mechanics of the game, I don't feel I can tell them in a really punchy way. Right. But let me tell you about a great experience I just had in the game. Okay. So one of the things that, that every class has in EverQuest is something called an epic weapon. And it's a it's an iconic special weapon that that each class gets which is very important to get and very powerful at a certain level in the game for you and it's not required but usually the quests are really really fun mm. and they're usually really involved and they're not things you can solo so typically like because i got my my classes epic weapon back in the day when there weren't you know level 115 characters running around um level 60 was it and for level 60 you needed like 20 30 people to come help you at certain points in the game to get this epic weapon and the story that the quest tells is really really good for, on the cleric side so it's about these plasmatic priests who are trying to come into the game, trying to come into the world, and they want to return the world to an earlier state. And there's all this lore and history about what you're trying to do in stopping it. And it's a really well done story. And at one point, you have to fight a dragon in a raid. And you have to defeat this dragon to get a piece of loot to, to turn in to get your epic weapon. And that's sort of the climax of the whole thing is this fight versus this dragon called Zordak Ragefire. And it's a big thing, and it's it's I, I remember it, right? And I especially remember um it because because my guild was very involved in figuring out the the cleric quest 
the, the, the epic quest the first time it happened. Uh, so we were trying to be first and, and actually get the, be the first to actually finish the quest and figure out what it was. So when I came back to the game, I discovered that they'd added a cleric epic 1.5, a cleric epic 2.0, and a cleric epic 2.5. And then on top of that, there, they've added these ornamentation effects. So what that means is you might have a piece of loot, like a particular weapon that looks a certain way, and you might be like, that looks stupid, or it just doesn't look <laughs> cool. Like, you just may not like how it looks. So you can buy, like, an ornamentation effect for that so that it doesn't change the stats of the weapon at all, but it just changes how it looks. So for every class in the game, they've added in these augments where you can turn whatever weapon you have to make it look like you're epic. So if you want that old school look to look like I am OG baby, you know, you can have your, your character with this like insane, like level 115 weapon, have it look like the epic because the epics look iconic. You know, they put a lot of time into making them look good, you know, for most of the classes. Some characters may not like their epic look and I get that, but for the most part, they tried to make something that everyone would appreciate. So for my class, I just completed the quest to get the augment to make my weapon and shield, which are the 1.0 and 1.5 epic and 2.0 epic as a shield to, to make it look like the OG items. And the quest was so well done. It was probably the most fun I had ever had solo in the game because it's a solo quest. You can't bring anybody with you. Yeah. And so the quest is basically the same as all the others. And then it has a, a main event at the end that's different for every class. Mm. So the quest is you have to visit the points in the game, in the game world, where every other class epic has its major event. So you got to go to where the bard has there. And that's just like go to the point and that's it. You go there and it tells you a little story and it's interesting, but it's boring. It's traveling around the world. You go there, mission accomplished. Mm. You save the one for yourself. So you go back to the cleric one from my, from my character. It's like in this uh, ocean side like middle of the ocean palm tree area where there's an inn and it's sort of very peaceful. There's these whapping waves waves, and there's this guy looking at the ocean and he's kind of the key guy in the cleric epic uh, 1.0. And you go back to that point and you start this quest where you now take the point of being Zordak Ragefire, your enemy, and now you replay your cleric epic 1.0 quest as the bad guy. Oh, Wow. <laughs> and and so you're fighting yourself, and so you're actually in the dragon fighting your raid that, that you know, so you see, like, you're fighting a cleric, a monk, a shadow knight, a paladin, the, the raid commander, you know, and so you're the dragon, and you're like, all right, how am I going to fight them? Ah, I'm going to ignore the tanks, eat all the healers first, num, 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 you know, so you, so like, you, you, you totally waste all the healers, then you go after all the, the tanks, and then you just, the casters are useless because they can't stand up to you, so, and, and you, you eat them all. And then at one point, the game actually makes a copy of your character. So you're fighting yourself, like, as the bad guy. Oh, sweet. And, and, and I mean, it was like the most mind-blowingly awesome quest. <laughs> and you're realizing that the guy that you're fighting, he was not a bad guy. Well, he was a bad guy, but he... He wasn't maliciously motivated. You learn his motivations for why he was doing what he was doing. And you gain an appreciation for him, mm. even though you defeated him. And like your character gets really sick and like it's about being a cleric and being a healer. So like you have to restore sight to a bunch of people. You have to 
give sustenance to a bunch of people and give them food and drink. Um, you have to heal a bunch of people. And it's not like the typical, you know, kill a bunch of rats and spiders and turn them in. You know, it is totally not that. And it was one of the most satisfying quests I've ever done in the game. And I did it three times. Uh, once to get the augment for the, for the mace, which is the cleric weapon. It's called the water sprinkler of Nemonk. That's the name of it. Uh, so now I have that for my weapon. I had, I did the aug, the quest again for my shield. So now I have the, the shield of divine. What is it? The shield. I forget the name of it. It's the shield of divine something. Um, uh, so it's for the, that shield will always look right. And then the third one, uh, give, it gives a unique look to your mace so that you, there's like a, a special look that you only get by completing the quest three times. Mm. So now I have all three and, uh, I, I just did that this week and it was so much fun. And if anyone out there is an EverQuest player, you have a cleric, you must do the, an epic request is the name of the quest, an epic request. Do that one. You will not regret it. It is one of the best written quests in EverQuest. I did it three times. High, high recommend. Wow. I mean, my story isn't as grandiose as that. It's more yeah. of the um, messing about behind the scenes before doing anything. So um, Guild Wars, when I first started playing it, you could have different characters and you had main quests. And then you could do subquests. So you could have a, a secondary, like two skills from a different class to help you out. And there was the, the story was you prepped um, to build up your character and then there was a, a story point and then you went to like the warring states but it was all sort of farmlands and waterfalls and really nice and what have you and the whole point of Guild Wars is unless you're in a group with someone when you go into the wild areas you're by yourself so you, so you don't have like people running up stealing your kills stealing everything bopping you over and head and running away that was the whole point and I decided that I'd play as a necromancer and one of, one of their unique skills was you go to a what was like a hub area. It's little hub areas where you could see other people and talk to them. And it was to go into a church, to go down to the crypts, because you're a necromancer, you do skills there. I'd already got some monk skills, so I thought at least I've got some skills where I could bop someone over the head. And I was playing the game, and I, I sort of left it, and I went, I went to go grab something to eat, and I came upstairs. And for some reason, I had this idea, and I thought, I'll leave it for five minutes and see if it works. So each character class has a unique emote, right? Mm -hmm. A dance. And I thought, I'll go one step further. So I'm a female necromancer with acid <laughs> green armor on, and the necromancer, their emote dance is Michael Jackson from Thriller. And I thought, <laughs> I wonder what will happen if I just take my armor off Start dancing and leave it because it loops. Within seven minutes, there were 60 people in this one area, all without their armor on, all dancing their unique dances, right? And I was sat there watching it thinking, I've just done this. I don't have the screenshot anymore, but I took a number of print screens just as proof to send to, to a couple of friends. This is what I've just done. And I, st I stayed there for about an hour just laughing. <laughs> I can't believe I've just done this. To a point where the the amount of people that came in to the area was slowing the servers down. Oh, <laughs> right. Slowed everyone's PC down. <laughs> so we were politely told, like, a a, um, a a message from the Guild Wars servers, please, can if, if you want to keep doing this, fine, but some of you need to disperse because you're causing <laughs> problems over the servers. Okay, that's what I've done. Oops. <laughs> You know how they handle that? I mean, Jay, this might interest you from an engineering perspective. Um, you know, in, in Eve, for instance, they have this time dilation that they do, like where they slow the game down if too many things are happening, right? So like something that used to take five minutes now takes 10. Mm -hmm. And so the turns are, or they expand out. In EverQuest, it's real time. 
So the the game does not slow down. They do have zones. So like if you're by yourself in a zone, you know, the game's going to run smooth. But if there's too many people in a zone, this happened to me the first time the other day. I saw how they do this. I, you get a red message, which there's not a lot of text that's red by default. So that's like a system message. System message comes up. There are too many players and mercenaries in this zone. The game will automatically start suspending mercenaries in two minutes. Oh, and I was right. like, oh, snap. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Let's get out quick. <laughs> well, that's just a place I was transiting. So I didn't care. But I was like, man, if I was in a, at like a, you know, just having a, a, a camping in a at a certain location, I, I would have started freaking out, man, especially because my character cannot do anything without a mercenary. So if, if they suspended my mercenary, I'd have been SOL, but I was just transiting. So I didn't care. But I was like, oh, my God. So that that's how they handle that. If there's too many people, the game just starts automatically suspending people. <laughs> wow. That's, I've never seen that before. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I like that. It makes sense though, because yeah, if you, you need to. It's a, a quality of service. You got to keep the quality of service. So people will be expecting it to run at a certain speed, and you got to do whatever you can to in, to improve that quality of service, right? When when you just think about you know back in ninety nine, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of whatever you think about EverQuest or any of the MMOs that they were dealing with, you know, Ultima Online had the same thing. I mean. Just, just the engineering that they had to do with dial-up modems and you know all that, just to keep that stuff running. I mean, it's a miracle any of it worked. Truly, mm-hmm. I mean, one of the facts that I found is that in the first month, the subscription numbers that they expected for um, EverQuest was like seventy-five thousand. That's what they roughly thought, like globally. Um, they reached that in the first four days. <laughs> to a point where more subscriptions were happening, and internet service providers were struggling to keep up. And in, especially in the States, I don't know about the rest of the world, but in the States, they were having localized blackouts because people were on the PCs for that long and they couldn't provide enough power. So huge, huge parts of the country were blacking out or certain pockets of the, the country over a wide area were blacking out because people were on PCs and they just couldn't keep up with it at the time. So it was blacking yeah, out in the first The success month. of the game was, was un, it, it really blew away Verant Interactive, which was the, the original publisher. I mean, they had no idea. And the thing was, you know, today in the world of cloud, I mean, you can go out and, you know, you know, I'm going to fire up some more, you know, AWS instances or whatever, you know, back then it was, nope, I need to get a colo facility and I need to buy servers. And I mean, it really was a mess, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it, it was a miracle that any of it worked, but we all enjoyed it. And we all played, and they they were mostly stable. I'm not going to say there weren't problems. There were problems, hmm. but uh, it, it it mostly ran, you know, and th- it certainly would not have survived if they hadn't been able to meet the technical challenges. So good on their engineering team for keeping the thing running, and good on the people today who are still dealing with 20-year-old code, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, it's amazing that the thing still runs. of things that i find amazing about it is that it was released before the year 2000 hit and coming from a guy who remembers that there was a lot of panic about y2k bug and they released it before that and people still wanted to play it march now, 1999 yeah i mean given that not much happened there was there was a few bits and bobs that happened but it wasn't as exaggerated as a lot of the Especially in in America, I remember they had a a, a whole governmental division dedicated to Y two K stuff. So the reason the reason for that was because there was a lot of work that went on behind the scenes mm. to sort of put the infrastructure in place so that it wouldn't cause huge problems. But yeah, the, 
I admit, yeah, the, the, the end result, the the end panic, result yeah. was not very much happened, but there was a huge amount of panic about it. Yeah. But there was an even larger amount of effort that went into it. You know, we're talking billions and billions and billions of dollars that went into how do we actually fix this problem? Because, you know, the, the, the whole the whole reason it happened is because in the 70s and the 80s, um, the engineers at the time were looking at systems and going, well, we have to represent the date, but we only have this much memory. We can either represent, you know, the whole thing, or we can represent a subset of it and fill in the gaps when we load the data. Now, the subset of it was essentially, instead of storing, say, 1982, it would just store 82 because it was seen as though you're never going to go back in time. So you're never going to represent 1882 or 1782 because that wouldn't make sense. You wouldn't have a bank record from 1782 on some transaction that was happening in 1882, which would not make sense. Problem was they didn't go, well, what about in 20 years time? <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's totally, it's a real thing, but just it was, I feel perhaps a little bit overplayed in the media. Hmm. Well, you know, that, that problem still exists, Jay. I mean, what's going to happen in 2038, that's right? It. Is that that's it? When Unix hits the limit, right? That's is it. that it? Yep. 20, uh, 20, is it 2038? Yeah, you can look it up. It's 2038 or 2034. Mm-hmm. And actually, we're seeing the problem happen already because there are companies. So for people who don't know, there's there's imagine that you've got a Windows PC and a, and a Mac PC, right? A Mac computer runs essentially an operating system called Unix, which is completely different to Windows. Um, Unix has been around since 1970. 1st of January 1970 was when it came online. Um, and it's been pretty much stable ever since. The problem was that they stole the date and time in seconds since midnight, January 1st, 1970. In, in 20- the UK. Yeah, that's it right here. Uh, that's it, yeah. So as soon as it hit midnight GMT, boom, that's zero seconds. The first second, 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 second. You know, it just ticks along like that. And the way you work out the date is you do the maths on the number of seconds since that time, and that's, way, that's how you work out the date. Problem is, in 2038, that number, which is being stored in binary, will roll over and reset to zero. Mm. And when you realize that the majority of the financial and business and healthcare systems, or at least the systems that are the backbone for all of the systems that sit on top of it, all run Unix, when they all reset, it's going to be a big problem. And it's actually started to happen already because there are companies that run banking or finance stuff who are doing projections of what they think will happen in 10, 15 years time puts us over the edge and goes into 2038 or 2034 or whatever the number is. And they're seeing that, you know, someone who takes a mortgage now will, unless the system is fixed in 2038, end up with a negative percent on their uh, interest rates and the bank will owe them loads of money. (laughs) You know, the other problem too, is that some of these systems are, are written in languages that people don't learn today. Like, you know, it could be COBOL or fourth or something else, you know, that you could go to school for computer programming and never even hear of some of these things yep. uh, and graduate with a degree. And, and, you know, if you're the, if you're the bank, that that's what your system is. That's what it's running on. Mm-hmm. Good, good luck trying to fire it, hire, hire somebody that can uh, fix that for you. Exactly. But it's, it's, exactly. it's insane to think that all of online RPGs essentially started in, 
like the, the more popular ones started in 1999 with things like EverQuest. You know, they, they were, they were the pioneers. They had to deal with the server problems, server issues. And, yeah. you know, and EverQuest started with a guy called John Smedley who worked on sports games for Sony who had a passion for D and D. That's how it started. Yeah. And uh, he's referred to as Smed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so- but it all, it all started with that guy who just had a passion for, for D and D all those years ago. And it's crazy to think that, especially with all the, the online games now that are completely free, you know, they've got the infrastructure there and the cloud systems and all, all the servers and stuff. It started off with, with one guy's idea and they had to deal with, especially server problems on the fly in real time as it was happening all yeah. those years ago. Yeah. It, it was a uh, Smed and uh, Brad McQuaid who unfortunately passed away not, not too, not too long ago, uh, Steve Trost. And there was a bunch of other guys that were involved in, in launching the game. I mean, real, real pioneers, you know, real, real pioneers. And that's actually the reason that uh, server Eridun that that's actually named after Brad McQuaid's character. Uh, in EverQuest. Mm. So that that's a memorial to him. And there's also a memorial in the game, like in actually the game servers, there's actually a spot that they set aside for him, which is really sweet. Is is that the, the place where they had a statue? Am I getting yeah. that right? They, yeah, they create yeah, yeah. a statue of his character. Yeah, they, they put something there. I, I have not actually been to it yet, but the, yeah, you can find images online if you if you were to search for that. I, I want to say it's in a really uh, common place. Uh, is sort of like an open field type zone uh, that's that's accessible to a lot of characters. You know, it's not like in a city that that a lot of characters can't get to because they might be killed on sight there. Um, it's more of a public place, uh, which is nice. You know, because the guy was deeply involved in actually the design of the game. You know, and it was was really nice to get it because I was at I was at that fanfare. Uh, I went to a couple of them, and it was really nice to get to meet him and Smed and all those other guys too. Cool. Okay, um, so. We've talked a lot about EverQuest today. We've talked about a whole bunch of stuff to do with MMOs and community and all that kind of stuff. It's been, but but before we all sort of sign off, what I want to know is for the listeners who are they they've heard about EverQuest, they're going to go maybe they're going to go play it, but they want to learn a little bit more about you, John. What's the what's what's the process for that? Talk to us again about uh, Trek profiles and sure and all that kind of stuff. How do people find out more about you? That kind of thing. Sure, sure. If you want to know about my show, I am pretty much everywhere podcasts can be had uh, as Trek Profiles. Uh, if you want to check out my show notes and just sort of look at me on the web, you can go to trekprofiles.com. There's a how to listen page there that'll link you to every place you can find me, which is, you know, Spotify or uh, in your podcatcher of choice, Apple, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. It's all there. Um, it, I am most active on Twitter. Uh, at Trek Profiles, uh, but that is 95% Star Trek content, uh, 4% mm. random amusement stuff, and <laughs> uh, uh, 1% uh, annoying things that just uh, I want to share online. So mostly Star Trek content right there. Uh, I am on Facebook, but that's mostly just show announcements uh, about the show. But if you if you prefer Facebook and you want to keep up with the show, go ahead and check out uh, facebook.com slash Trek Profiles. So that's pretty much it. Uh, you, but you'll find I'm most active on, on Twitter and I mostly do, uh, episode rewatches and I live tweet them as I watch them. So you'll, you'll find that sort of thing there if you're, if you're interested in my current take on whatever I'm watching. Currently, I'm working my way through Star Trek Enterprise season one. Cool. 
Okay. Cool. Excellent. Uh, we'll make sure to put all of those links into the show notes and make sure you check your and I, podcast I, and stuff. I, I just want to say the one uh, the one good or bad thing about my show is that it's they're all one-off interviews. So you're not signing on to listen to the whole thing. So uh, if you're looking at the episode list, pick one that has a person's name. Because uh, the, the, if it doesn't have a person's name, it's some kind of special. So mm. if you see a human being's name in there, that's one you'll want to start with. So just go ahead, download one, check it out. See if that's the sort of thing you might like. That's the sort of thing you'll like. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll put all of those links into the show notes and we'll make sure to, we'll, we'll, we'll do an announcement tweet and we'll poke at you when we do it and stuff like that. So everyone will know, hey, John's on this thing and they're, they, these two weirdos that he talked to were a bit weird, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I will absolutely retweet that. Oh, well, thank you awesome. ever so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Thank you ever so much, John. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Um, I learned a lot today about EverQuest, and I'm, I'm tempted to go uh, sign up for an account and see what I can do. Just go it's, try it, man. It's free to play. Yeah, what, right. What, what's the risk? Exactly. You're not going to lose out. If I get half a chance when I'm not editing audio, I might give it a go as well, because <laughs> I've, I've got four separate podcasts on the go. That I hope that they edit. So it's a case of when I get chance, when I'm not sick of hearing people's voice, his voice, all the time. Uh, <laughs> and I get half a chance, you know, when I'm not doing other stuff. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. But yeah. I can't, um, I can't guarantee, but I'll, I'll try. <laughs> very cool. But yeah, like I said, John, thank you ever so much for being on the show. It's been a real pleasure. No awesome. Um, so. So you've all gone and listened to another set of episodes for the Waffle and Taylor's podcast. Thank you ever so much. Uh, do check out the website. It's got a wonderfully easy, not easy, wonderfully memorable URL, wafflingtailors.rocks. There's a link on there for how to follow the show. We're on Twitter and Facebook as Waffling Taylors. Just hit the search button in whatever, whichever of those two services. We have actually also been doing something different during the summer of this year. Oh, brother, last year. I don't, I'm not sure when this one's going out, but in the summer <laughs> of 2020, we've been playing a lot of, we're doing a lot of live streaming of uh, playing video games. So if you want to check that out, that's twitch.tv forward slash waffling tales. Can you see? We've got a bit of a pattern going. And if you can't catch us live, we've been dumping it onto YouTube as well. Uh, we haven't got a custom channel name at the time of recording. So your best chance is to go to waffling rocks and look for the YouTube button and click that. Um, check that out i guess uh you know that's always fun um my streams i don't think are that entertaining but definitely squidges are because uh, that's when everyone's online and everyone's watching my streams tend to happen at the dead of night when no one's around so it's just me and squidge but there you go <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um thank you ever so much for uh having a listen and i know i've said that about four times but thank you very much john for being on the show uh it was a pleasure a real thrill and, and a treat thank you very much great you know and people talk about their lives in weird ways with these total strangers on the internet and it's just it's there's there's just something about these environments you know that when a game creates that it's it's a it's about more than the game intro music is among the stars by muse station productions outro music is i need you watashi no sabate by gh
Spoiler Break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette Cleanser music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Daguet. See the show notes for more details. The Waffling Tailors podcast is a proud member of the J&J Media Network. To find out more about J&J Media, head over to jayandjay.media or check the show notes for a link.